1: Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. So before we get into the second episode about Tour from The Unfinished Tales, I wanted to update you on some things. Last episode I had the brilliant idea of reading through all of the text and commenting on the parts that stood out. But it turns out uh, thanks thank you to those of you who responded that that's probably a copyright problem so I can't do that. But instead I can go back to kind of recapping in general and then quoting specific passages When I need to. So that's where the show will go from this point on. Also, you can probably hear it in my voice. Somehow I've come down with another cold and uh, I'm doing the best I can in order to get through this episode and make sure it gets out there for all of you, uh, especially during the holidays, because I know it's a good time for driving or flying, traveling and listening to podcasts, things like that. So. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sticking with me uh, in the midst of uh, probably some funny voice sounds. And I'm excited to get into this next section of tour and his uh, coming to Gondolin, although he doesn't quite get there yet because the journey is a little bit winding. So why don't we just get into it? Here we go. When we left off, Tour was following the water that was running from out of the ground underneath him down the sides of the hill. And he's been following this stream, which was summoned by him playing music and a response from Ulmo for three days now. And he's worked his way into a more what is described here as broken and stony land. He approaches some hills, and the stream goes down through what Tolkien describes as a cloven bed. So he gives us the sense that this is becoming more difficult as the ground becomes more rocky. And then we're told this. Tour found before him a wall of rock, and there was an opening therein like a great arch. And the stream passed in and was lost. Then Tour was dismayed. And he says he says this out loud. So my hope has cheated me. The sign in the hills has led me only to a dark end in the midst of the land of my enemies. This lamenting to yourself out loud kind of thing feels to me very Old Testament. This is the sort of thing that Elijah, when something happens wrong, says out into the world. And of course, it's for us, the reader or the listener of the tale, to understand how the protagonist feels in that moment. And in this story, it's intentionally archaic. The scene is then further painted for us with a feeling of cold and bitterness. Tour's heart sinks and he sits down on the rocks and keeps watch through a bitter, fireless night. We're explained that it is not quite even spring yet. The land is still cold, and there is a shrill wind that blows in from the east. Notice it doesn't come from the west. It's as if dark powers are seeking to stop his quest, but not in a a bunch of orcs show up kind of way. More of a symbolic and emotional kind of feeling sort of way. And just as the sun begins to rise, Tour hears voices. And he looks down and he sees in some shallow water two elves wading through the water. And at first you might think, oh elves are playing in the in the water down there. No, these are soldiers. They have swords. And male. and when they see him, they draw their bright swords and spring up toward him. It says here, Then he saw that they were gray-cloaked but mail-clad under, and he marveled, for they were fairer and more fell to look upon, because of the light in their eyes, than any of the elven folk that he had yet known. He has come across, for the first time in his life, Noldor. He is familiar with the Grey Elves, but he has not seen elves this noble and this driven before. I love how they are described as both fair, meaning beautiful, and fell, meaning dangerous or scary, at the same time. This is a combination we see a few times in Tolkien's stuff. You might remember some from the Silmarillion. Satur stands up to his full height, we're told, and he draws no weapon. And then he greets them in elven. And at that sign, the two elves sheathe their swords and speak courteously to him. One says, Gelmir and Arminas, we are of Phenarfin's people. Are you not one of the Edain of old that dwelt in these lands, ere the Narniath? And indeed, of the kindred of Hador and Hurin, I deem you. For so the gold of your head declares it. And Tur gives it an interesting response. He says, Yea, I am Tur, son of Hur, son of Galdor, son of Hador. But now, at last, I desire to leave this land where I am outlawed and kinless. He very quickly gives them an update on what's actually going on here. Basically, I'm the last one. I'm an outlaw. I don't have any kin left. And I'm leaving. So Gelmir says, then, if you would escape and find the havens in the south, already your feet have been guided on the right road. Basically, you're headed the right way if you're looking to get to the havens south of here. And Tour responds, so I thought, said Tour. for I followed a sudden spring of water in the hills. He gives him the explanation of why he's headed this specific way, which is a little strange, until it joined this treacherous stream, and now I know not whither to turn, for it has gone into darkness. And we get one of my favorite little conversations. And it's quick. You can miss it if you read too fast. This conversation goes from being literal. I'm basically following this stream, and I think I've lost it, to symbolic. About darkness. Gelmir responds, through darkness one may come to the light. And Tour replies to that yet one will walk under the sun while one may but since you are of that people tell me if you can where lies the gate of the noldor for i have sought it long ever since Anale, my foster father of the gray elves spoke of it to me you notice that little the little turn of phrase uh, if sometimes you can follow through the darkness you can come to the light sure that's true but also, Tours like, yeah, but you know, I'd rather walk under the sun while I can. <laughs> so, uh, also, by the way, how do you get to Gondolin? Is basically what he's asking here. Or at least that's my first interpretation. The gate of the Noldor. And we get a response from the elves. They laugh and they say, your search is ended for we have ourselves just passed that gate. There it stands before you. They pointed to the arch in which the water flowed. Come now, through darkness, you shall come to the light. We will set your feet on the road, but we cannot guide you far, for we are sent back to the lands whence we fled upon an urgent errand. But fear not, said Gelmir, a great doom is written upon your brow, and it shall lead you far from these lands. Far indeed from Middle-earth, as I guess. Now, if this is actually the gateway to the hidden passage, to Gondolin, then they seem to be very, I don't know, open about revealing it. So maybe it isn't. At least maybe that's not what they're talking about. Also, Gelmir here doing some foreshadowing, looking at Tur and seeing his doom, seeing that he will go far from Middle-earth. His doom or his fate seems to tell him this. So Tur follows them, wades into the shallow water into the shadows beyond this arch of stone and we're explained that Gelmir takes out a lamp and this is something that the Noldor are renowned for it says here supposedly they were made in Valinor neither wind or water could quench them and when they were unhooded they sent forth a clear blue light from a flame imprisoned in a white crystal It's similar to something like a Silmaril, except it isn't. It's more of just a lamp. And then we get a description of the inside of this tunnel because Tour couldn't see down here until the lamp was lit. And it's particularly interesting. Now by the light that Gelmir held above his head, Tour saw that the river began to go suddenly down a smooth slope into a great tunnel. But beside its rock-hewn course, There ran long flights of steps leading on and downward into a deep gloom beyond the beam of the lamp. Steps were carved on the sides of this tunnel beside the slope that the river ran down. When they had come to the foot of the rapids, they stood under a great dome of rock, and there the river rushed over a steep fall with a great noise that echoed in the vault, and it passed then on again. Beneath another arch into a further tunnel. You get the sense that this is a piece of land that was very specifically crafted in order for people to be able to travel down these tunnels, down these steps. And Gelmir tells Tur, Now we must return and go our ways with all speed, for matters of great peril are moving in Beleriand. Tur replies, is then the hour come that Turgon shall come forth? And this surprised them. They were not ready for this man, this Edine, to ask about questions of their king. The elves looked at him in amazement. That is a matter which concerns the Noldor rather than the sons of men, said Arminas. What know you of Turgon? Little said tor save that my father aided his escape from the narniath and that in his hidden stronghold dwells the hope of the noldor yet though i know not why ever his name stirs in my heart and comes to my lips and had i my will i would go in search of him rather than treading this dark way of dread unless perhaps this secret road is the way to his dwelling Now he's getting closer to the point of finding a way to Gondolin. So this makes it clear that when he mentioned earlier the gates of the Noldor, that that wasn't the same thing as the entryway into the secret passage to Gondolin. And the elves give a very different reply to this very specific request. They say, Who shall say? For since the dwelling of Turgon is hidden... So also are the ways thither. I know them not, though I have sought them long. Yet if I knew them, I would not reveal them to you nor to any among men. And that was Arminas continuing from his previous speaking. But then Gelmir chimes in and says, Yet I have heard that your house has the favor of the Lord of Waters. And if his counsels lead you to Turgon, then surely shall you come to him withsoever yon turn. Follow now the road to which the water has brought you from the hills, and fear not, you shall not walk long in darkness. Farewell, and think not that our meeting was by chance, for the dweller of the deep moves many things in this land still. And then he says, Anar Kaluva Talyana, which means, the sun shall shine upon your path. So we get a few more things here from Gelmir. You can tell that Gelmir is a little bit more tuned in to the Valar and to the mysterious goings-on of this world that are being still kind of orchestrated in some ways by these great powers, especially Ulmo. He understands that if Tur has come from this lineage and his ancestors are the ones that helped the Noldor, and he's been reached out to by Ulmo himself. He puts the pieces together. This was not a chance meeting. Just when Tour was failing at continuing to follow this stream, the path set out ahead of him by Ulmo himself is when the elves showed up. They too are on some sort of grand mission or quest, but they don't tell us who sent them. Was it also Ulmo? Is this a scenario orchestrated by one of the greatest powers in the world in order to make sure that tour stays on the right path? Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock, I think you'll love it.
2: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
1: All right, welcome to the middle of the show. I hope you were enjoying Tour's story and noticing that there are a lot more details here about the path that he was going down, the elves that he came in contact with, and it continues from that. This is the part of the show where we get to thank our patrons, the people who bring this show to you basically, the ones who contribute and make this possible. So thank you to everyone who supports this show. All currently 176 active patrons, and I have to shout out our VIP patrons. Let's see if I can get through these, especially with my with my stuffy face and my cold. Uh, AK Music Lover, Anakin Skywalker, Apollo, Aragorn the Third, Austin C, Azel Razzle, Barney D, Bo, Black Squirrel, Brandy D, Chewbacca, Cutter Metalworks, Darth Feanor, David S, David M, Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Fulcrum, Gemma D, Jesse P, Jochem B, Kate L, Kate S, Capenna, Lori B, Nick K, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Peace Lutheran Church, Sam B, Sauron for Life, Swiggy Swoo, TJT, Whore 97 Tyler M. Thank you so much. And wow, I got through the whole thing. Maybe I should do episode sick more often. (laughs) But thank you for your support. If you are interested in joining this group and wondering why everybody's signing up, head over to patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast. Check out all the different things you can get. Ad free episodes and bonus episodes every week, which includes a huge backlog. So if you're looking for more episodes, that's where you can get them. And uh, also, if you can't sign up on the Patreon, you're more than welcome to do some free things that help out me in the show. You can leave a five star review on Apple podcasts. You just need an account. You don't need to listen on the platform. And that helps a ton because those go all over the Internet. And we don't have any new ones this week, but I read those out on future episodes. And you can also rate the show on Spotify. You can share the show with your friends and family, especially during this holiday season. I know a lot of people go back and watch the Lord of the Rings movies or the Hobbit movies. And, you know, hopefully you're talking about this awesome stuff rather than, you know, debating religion and politics with the family. So this would be something maybe you can bond over. So please share the show. Oh, and also one more reminder, I've been slowly rolling out video versions of these episodes on the Lord of the Rings Lorecast YouTube channel, so if you're interested in going back and maybe re-watching, re-listening, and re-watching with some really cool images and some other stuff going on, then please look that up. There's a link in the show notes, but you can always just search Lord of the Rings Lorecast on YouTube. You'll find the channel. The first three episodes are up. They're a little bit edited down and truncated so that they work better on that platform. But I think you might enjoy them, and I would love for the support to get that channel off the ground and kind of going. So I would appreciate that. Go check that out. Thanks again for all of your support. Let's move on with the rest of the show. So the elves finish talking to him and they leave. Now yeah, you have to think here, okay, well they were the ones with the lamp. They didn't give tour the lamp. They take the lamp with him while tour is now standing here in a dark tunnel. Yes, that is exactly what happens. Tour stands there in this darkness, deeper than night amid the roaring of the falls. And then we're told. Then, summoning his courage, he set his left hand on the rock wall and felt his way forward, slowly at first, and then more quickly, as he became more used to the darkness and found nothing to hinder him. And after a great while, as it seemed to him, when he was weary and yet unwilling to rest in the black tunnel, he saw far before him a light. Now maybe this is just a dark tunnel— Or maybe this is symbolic. Maybe this represents him learning not to fear the darkness. Learning to trust in Ulmo and his elven friends in order to find that pinpoint of light that leads out of the darkness. He saw far before him a light. And hastening on, he came to a tall and narrow cleft. And following the noisy stream between its leaning walls, out into a golden evening. Anytime you hear golden or silver, it's probably intentional. For he was come into a deep ravine with tall sheer sides, and it ran straight towards the west. A golden evening leading him to the west. If that doesn't sound like Valinor, I don't know what does. And before him, the setting sun going down through a clear sky shone into the ravine and kindled its walls with yellow fire and the waters of the river glittered like gold as they broke and foamed upon many glittering stones. So he works his way through the darkness into this glorious and beautiful sunset. It's as if he's being rewarded for his bravery. And his mood notably changes. In that deep place, Tour went on now in great hope and delight, finding a path beneath the southern wall, where there lay a long and narrow strand. And when night came and the river rushed on unseen, save for a glint of high stars mirrored in dark pools, then he rested and slept for he felt no fear beside that water in which the power of Ulmo ran. Notice again, we move from the golden evening to a very comfortable night with the stars reflected in the water. Ulmo is mentioned here, but it's as if Varda also is looking down on him. And he recognizes again the power of Ulmo this water his faith has returned and so he rests the next day comes and he puts his back to the rising sun heading further to the west and he continues and we get another sign potentially or at least uh, a recognition of the beauty of nature because we're told that in the morning and the evening rainbows were woven across the stream and technically, this is due to the water foaming among the boulders and rushing over little waterfalls and it being tossed in the air, which we know refracts the light into rainbows. But it's another one of those wonders of nature that is beautiful. And in this moment, Tour names this location, this ravine, with the water dancing down these boulders and, and rainbows in the sky, Kirith Niniak which means rainbow cleft. Tolkien paints for us in this moment a safe and almost holy, natural environment. This seems to be a place that darkness has not corrupted. The beauty of nature is so strong here that Tour feels safe, safe enough to sleep and rest and to take his time. We're told that he slowly journeyed through this area for three days, and he would drink the water of the stream, and yet didn't desire any food. He was not hungry. The nourishment from the stream, from Ulmo himself, was enough to sustain him. We're given a description about the fish. There are many fish that shine in the stream, specifically gold and silver. Or gleamed with colors like to the rainbows in the spray above. Those same colors, gold and silver, like the trees of Valinor. Rainbow, like the natural rainbows that happen above the stream. And he continued on. On the fourth day, the channel grows wider. Its walls lower, less sheer. But yet the river begins to run more strongly, more deeper. We're told for high hills now marched on either side, and fresh waters spilled from them into, Kirith-Niniak, over shimmering falls. Night comes, and Tour decides to take a break. There, a long while, Tour sat watching the swirling of the stream, and listening to its endless voice. Notice the word "voice" to describe the sound, as if it's Ulmo himself. Until night came again. And stars shone cold and white in the dark lane of sky above him. Then he lifted up his voice and plucked the strings of his harp. Remember, he's a great harp player, and that is in some ways magic. And above the noise of the water, the sound of his song and the sweet thrilling of the harp were echoed in the stone and multiplied, and went forth and rang in the night-clad hills, until all the empty land was filled with music beneath the stars. And though he knew it not, tour was now come to the echoing mountains of Lamoth. This is a key location. And Tolkien reminds us here why. There once long ago, Feanor, Feanor himself, had landed from the sea. Remember when the Noldor left valinor when feanor took the ships of the Teleri, when his forces killed his own brethren in order to more quickly make their way to middle earth this is near where he landed from the sea and the voices of his host were swelled to a mighty clamor upon the coasts of the north ere the rising of the moon by this point of the story morgoth is winning Remember, Morgoth has done a number of things over the 400 and something years up until this moment. The Noldor, who showed up on these shores 400 years earlier, had great plans to take back the Silmarils. And they seemed to fail at every turn. And slowly, Morgoth's darkness had infected the land. Tur would have been aware of this. And then we're told this. Then Tur was filled with wonder and stayed his song, and slowly the music died in the hills, and there was silence. And then, amid the silence, he heard in the air above him a strange cry, for he knew not of what creature that cry came. Now he said, It is a fay voice, and now, nay, it is a small beast that is Wailing in the waste. And then, hearing it again, he said, Surely it is the cry of some night-faring bird that I know not. And it seemed to him a mournful sound, and yet he desired nonetheless to hear it and follow it, for it called him, he knew not whither. Now, notice his thinking here. At first, he hears this voice, this sound, the calling of a bird, a seabird, which he has never heard. He is close to the shore. He's never been to the ocean before. He hasn't lived near the shore. He doesn't know what kinds of creatures there are here. And the sound of a common seabird, at first, comes across to him as something maybe frightening. He's on his guard. He thinks it might be a fey voice something malicious but then when he listens again he gains a little bit more clarity and realizes no this is probably just some sort of bird then as he listens even more it begins to sound mournful to him then it draws him in he becomes curious wait what is this bird why does it sound like this we know from our previous story that Tour is constantly drawn to the sea, that he's drawn to the waters, that Omo has been communicating with him in ways that he doesn't quite understand, and has basically been rattling around in his brain, creating this desire. And here he is, close to the sea, hearing a seabird for the first time, and a handoff is basically being made here. From the stream to the seabird, leading him to the ocean, and closer to his doom. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, The Elder Scrolls Lorecast, The Witcher Lorecast, and more, at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots radio. Or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.